another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Mike. And I'm Allison. Yeah, babe. How's it going? It's going. It's going good. I'm talking first. That means that I'm going to be delivering this week's message. You are the storyteller. You ready to just kick back and listen and be like all of our other listeners? Got cozy socks on. I've got a blanket on my lap. I'm in... Good company. Yeah, you look cozy. Since our camera um, took a crap, I think you, uh, you know, you've kind of enjoyed that. I did too, because now we don't have to get all gussied up for our YouTube videos. I can look homely again. But we are putting out uh, some TikToks, so we'll see how those go. Yeah, that was interesting. I did my first TikTok last week, and I, it was after a night of like very poor sleep, and we were kind of rushed because you were leaving. And I was like, I felt like a deer in headlights when I watched it back. But I'm like, oh, we can only get better from here. Exactly. Kind of like these podcasts. I'm sure if we listen to the first one, we'd notice that, the you know, lately it's much better. Yeah. Although so. we did have like another podcast before this. So we were kind of in season already. Yeah, I would say so. But the TikTok I've never done. Yeah, you did. You did good. And you were a very great cheerleader. I will tell you that because well, you were very encouraging to me. You kind of kept on feeling like, am I doing it right or whatever? And you're always doubting yourself with everything. Yeah, so. I was getting very frustrated frustrated with myself yeah you did great you did good you're very sweet so um while you're listening here if you enjoy this episode or if you enjoyed the last episode if you can go on over to that uh uh, podcast area for your apple phone and give us five stars on the reviews that would help us out quite a bit we would so appreciate it it'll share our uh, message and stories with more people which we would appreciate very very much spread the word exactly um how's your week going this week it's going uh we're recording this a little early it's friday for us um so we made it through another work week we survived good job congratulations yeah and we're recording early because we're going to celebrate our nieces uh the one's graduation from high school and the other one's birthday yeah looking forward to seeing them yeah those little uh sobs or dobs i guess those little so-and-sos yeah so-and-sos is probably nicer how is your week going mike Uh, it's good so um this is going to sound super boring but i'm very very accomplished so uh, you know that I put up a ceiling fan this you week. You did. You know that in, in our, our daughter's, daughter's room. room. So usually, if you listen to these podcasts at all, you'll know that it takes me forever to do anything. Like if it says it'll take about an hour, it usually takes me three hours. Yeah, to, basically triple it. Yeah, and that's usually a good rule of thumb for me. Now, with this fan, I opened it up and it said, give yourself 120 minutes to do it. And I was like, whoa, two hours. That means I'm going to be here for like six, probably. I mean, might have to put a whole afternoon into this thing. And I put it up and down and everything, um, and everything worked out in what, an hour maybe? 45 minutes? I was very, very impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, I didn't tell you this before, but when I first tested it, it didn't work. I heard a son of a bitch or something like that (laughs) coming from the um, the bedroom. Yeah, so I I shut down the power, obviously, because I don't want to get electrocuted. And uh, I turned it back on after I installed it and I turned on the switch. Nothing happened. I was like, man, I I did all that. Like, I swear I did a really good job putting the wiring together. It seemed okay. Um, So I went up and looked at everything and I was like, okay. I was like, oh, I know what I didn't do. I didn't try to click the damn things on the stupid ceiling fan. Easy fix. So the light in the fan. Yeah. But I did take it down again. You had to take it back down. I mean, I didn't take it down. I just kind of looked at the wires. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, everything's good. And I was like, oh, as I was doing it. So. Well, you have about one more ceiling fan to install in the back bedroom. So this way we're going to time you and you're going to beat what they say. You're damn right I will. Yeah, you will. I'm pretty much, um, not quite. I'm not ready to say it, but I'm close to an electrician. You really are. (laughs) I would say so. So so far, I'm like a doctor, electrician. (laughs) You're a lot of things. You're a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. So as as we learn more things here on the podcast, I'm I'm definitely adding up all my professions. You're the Mike of all trades. Sure am. Sure am. And we've been enjoying watching Stranger Things, too. That's another thing that's been going on. What a fantastic show. Yeah. If you're not a fan of Stranger Things because you just haven't watched it, 
I would urge you to go and watch. Um, what are we on? Like halfway through season four. four. Yeah. So the um, second half of season four comes out July first. So. Our daughter loves it, so she was watching every single episode, and we we're like, I uh, didn't really want to, you know, get into the whole thing because it seemed like weird. I'm not a big uh, horror movie or scary movie kind of uh-huh. guy, scary show. But, you know, she- anything that's going to get us to spend more time together, you know, with our kids, I'm always down for. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's try it out. Yeah. And we are just hook, line and sinker. We love it. Oh, it's wonderful. And the, it gets better every single season. So good. So and far, the season's fantastic. I would say this is my favorite so far. Me too. And then um, see, there will be one more season after this from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so get in while you can. It's yep. still not too late. Exactly. I heard that about Ozark too, that Ozark was really good, but we don't watch a lot of things. It's like a, it's a big commitment. Well, the difference with us is that we have very different schedules. So yeah. we don't do like the whole nighttime TV watching together. And we want to watch with our kids. Yeah. That's the other problem is if it's got any kind of like nudity or super foul language, we can't put it on in the family room when the kids are around. Hey, everybody's got a penis or a vagina. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, we're not going to do that in front of our 10 and 13 year olds. Okay. So um, I go to bed very early because I get up very early for work so we're just on very different schedules and oftentimes in the evening i'm researching for the podcast true so we don't really have much time i i do a lot of watching things on my phone i've been watching a lot of like crime stuff um on netflix yeah i put a picture of you researching one of your cases and you are just like all in yeah. I mean, you are like pretty much any free moment you're researching some kind of case. Yes. And it's constantly going because I'm reading a book right now that's a true crime book. And there's little bits of different murders that she puts reference to in that book. So I'm like at night while I'm trying to fall asleep, I'm like, OK, I can't forget. I got to write it down. But no, I don't want to turn the lights on. So then <laughs> I'm just saying it over and over in my head to try to remember it. Oh, there would be no way I could remember if I was doing that. I do like, you know, it's the number 29. I thought, OK, I had my first child at 29. That's uh, how I'm going to remember I think of sports jerseys. Okay, that makes sense too. Yeah. So yeah, but other than that, everything's pretty much business business as usual around these parts. Yeah, getting to be the rainy season here in Florida, so whatever. I mean, that's not too exciting. No, it's not exciting I guess, at all. So if you could name the most boring thing to talk about, it probably be the weather and maybe ceiling fans. Yeah, that's true. We had them both, and you hit them both out. <laughs> Let's see what else. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I've got my cup of coffee here. You ready for a story? Yes, but what about my Amazon addiction? Oh yeah, Allison's great call. Amazon addiction. So and you might not buy something every single week but we're going to find out something you bought that you might have use for yes and we're going to put a link to it so right now if you look into our show notes you can see what allison's about to talk about yes so if you are someone who does laundry and i suspect unless you have a housekeeper or you buy new clothes every time yeah i don't know what but I'm, i'm assuming you do laundry so you know the huge tubs of like the tide or whatever that has the dispenser you push the knob thing and the it's always dripping. It, yeah, exactly. So I got this thing on Amazon that it's it holds the plastic cup that comes with it, and you like hook it on there, and it just sits under the dispenser. Does it work on like every dispenser? Yes. Well, it works on those big jug dispensers, okay. and they're all about the same. Yeah. And so it's really made. I love things that make my life easier. These okay. little random things that just like ah. Oh, this is so much easier. How much is something like that? A few bucks. Because I think it would probably cost them 50 cents to make. Yeah, I'd say it was somewhere around the $5 mark. Not bad. But um, you just put your cup stays under it. You push the button to dispense the liquid. And I t- learned something from your mom because I'm like, m- my cup is always filled with like blue detergent. She throws the cup into the wash. 
Oh, and, and it that like rinses itself. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, why is her? Why is the cup always clean after she uses it? And then once I was transferring her laundry over, and there was the cup in the washer. In our laundry, you have to close it before it pours any water in. Yeah. So we can't like rinse it. While no, we, we you, that's what I used to do. But yeah, this one you can't rinse it. And God forbid I walk into the kitchen. We don't have a laundry tub, so I don't want to make the trek over to the kitchen and rinse it. So that's, I just throw the cup right into the wash. It helps you. So it's a nice little uh, Mother's Day uh, gift or uh, uh, for next I don't year. Think so if you got me a clip father's day for mother's Mother's day Day, i would kick you in the shin that was really sexist well i you're assuming i'm the one that's going to do the laundry uh, what i said was really oh yeah very sexist yeah i'm sorry what the hell i apologize i don't know i mean you know some households mike the men also do oh i know and i did and you didn't like how i did it no because you didn't do it right that's what i didn't like about it you didn't do it the part that you hated the most was that it wasn't done it wasn't done (laughs) that makes sense i was like when we first got married i'm like mike you're gonna do your own laundry and i'm gonna do mine (laughs) and we each had a basket his would like basically be towering to the ceiling and i'm like i can't take this anymore i'm like i've got one more sock i can wear and one more underwear under the drawer that i can find (laughs) that's basically sums up our personalities yes, like 100%. i'm psycho and try to like get everything done and you're like it'll get done and i'm nice and kind and i'm not yeah i mean right hence the orange cup that you're drinking coffee uh, out of i think our list oh yeah from our lovely little niece Lexi. Yes. she's not our niece she's our cousin oh well i kind of consider her like a niece well she's not our niece i know but i consider her closer you know like almost yeah. like a daughter so um yeah so uh, you ready to get into this thing? i'm ready okay so um, I am giving this week's uh, the story here. Oh, just I, I did want to say we covered some very important things today. Uh, weather, laundry, and ceiling fans. Yeah, we are super enthralling. So if you guys are still with us, we praise you. <laughs> yes. So here we go. And you're a good person. Here's what you came for. Um, th- I'm not going to say, okay, let's start it this way. In On a spring day in 1996, on a Saturday afternoon, in the beautiful area in the small town of Wilmslow in Cheshire, England, Cheshire. Yep. Howard Ainsworth, 79 years old, was mowing his lawn. He had a brief chat with his neighbor, Margaret, who said Howard was in good spirits that afternoon, except that his wife, Beatrice, or B, as we'll refer to as, 78 years old, was a little bit sick. She had a stomach bug, and he had to take care of her. Uh, This was a beautiful town, like very nice, uh, very affluent area. Um, People here had a good amount of money. Um, In this particular area, there's older people that have been living there a long time. So very, very nice town, nice um, Victorian style homes mm-hmm. and things. Just imagine a picturesque, beautiful neighborhood. Okay. Uh, Howard and B were married for about 50 years at this point. And according to friends and family, they are extremely in love with each other. Oh, how sweet is that? And you love After old all people. that time. I do. I love elderly people and I love love, like sweet love. And it's just this, this is the typical old couple that love each other and hold each other's hands and stuff. Oh, and how old did you say Howard was? 73? 79. 79. And he's out there mowing his lawn. Good for him. Yeah. Hey, those that uh, are active stay active. That's right. So Howard was a World War II veteran and he also used to work as a parks gardener. At the, but at this point he was retired. Okay. B worked as a local funeral parlor, um, worked at the local funeral parlor, and she was looking to retire so that she could spend more time with her husband, Howard. Good for her. Yep. So, obviously, they're very much into each other. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. Uh, We wouldn't be talking about it if it was a good story now, would we? Yep. Um, When Howard spoke to his neighbor, Margaret, quote, unquote, that would be the last time they saw Howard or B alive. Or B? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Who would harm these lovely people? You'll find out. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. We'll see. So the next morning, that same neighbor, Margaret, that we talked about, 
She took a peek at Howard and B's beautiful Victorian-style home around 11.30 a.m. and noticed the curtains were still drawn. This was kind of weird because, you know, she's known them for a long time. She knows they're go-getters. They'd be up and about doing something and, you know, curtains at least would be open. Well, and to a lot of the times an elderly couple, they're very routine. Right. You know, they get up at this time. They have their coffee. They have the toast. They open the drapes. So I find that, you know, that is alarming when all of a sudden you see somebody that's so routine break that. Yeah. And Margaret would know she's been the neighbor for over 20 years. And two, I find working in a hospital and speaking with a lot of elderly people, you when you get to a certain age, you start looking out for each other. Absolutely. Because you never know something could happen. Right. And you know, we take for granted we're in our 40s. You know, if you're younger and listening to this, we're not checking on our 40 year old neighbor to see if perhaps they fell and broke their hip. Not to say that bad things can't happen to anybody. But obviously, as you get up in age, you're more prone to falling or whatever it is that might happen to you. So I do often find that people do look out for each other. But our older neighbors, we would definitely think that. If we didn't hear from them, we'd be like, let's go and check. Absolutely. I mean, you know, death comes to us all at some point. Yes. So, um, but yeah, you know, she she was, Margaret was worried. Um, Rightly so. She knew that this wasn't like them because, you know, by noonish, definitely they would have been up and about. So she went over to their house and knocked on the door. No answer. Um, tapped on some windows, tried to look in, but the draw, you know, the curtains were drawn, so she couldn't see, but no answer again. So now she's really worried. Um, so Margaret goes next door to the other neighbor, Jacqueline, and she goes to Jacqueline. This is weird. Curtains are up. Um, they're not on holiday vacation. And they would know that because everyone shares everything when you're tight with your neighbors. Exactly. And something must be wrong. Jacqueline agreed. And they were both worried at this point, so they called the police. Smart. Even just for a welfare check. Absolutely. The worst thing they could do is come by. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. We were at the grocery store. We forgot to open the drapes. Fine. Yep. Yep. So uh, shortly after they called, two officers showed up. They went into the home of Howard and B, uh, along with Margaret. Um, They brought her in, too, Mm -hmm. just because she's a neighbor. Yeah, she was the one that raised the alarm. Yep. Um, And the back door was unlocked. Oh, So I don't know if they just left it unlocked always or whatever it might be. They looked around and nothing really looked unusual. Nothing caught their attention on the main floor. So the police officers left Margaret downstairs and they went upstairs to check out the rest of the house. You know what's happening here. Yes, nothing good. So they go into the master bedroom and they found Howard and B. Ainsworth both dead and lying in their bed. Oh, how sad. Yep. Horrible scene. So looking at the bed from the foot. Uh, of the bed. Okay. B was on the right side. Uh-huh. Totally covered in blood. Oh, jeez. The sheets also soaked in blood as well. Uh, B also had the handle of a kitchen knife sticking out of her forehead. <gasps> no. So somebody Vicious. stabbed her great force right in her forehead. Somebody that's lived their life, have been married for 50-some years, worked hard, looking forward to retirement and spending your last years with the love of their life. And this is how they go out of this world in such a horribly vicious manner. And we'll share stories on our um, Instagram, or share pictures on pictures. our Instagram. Aww. And they're they're a cute old Aww, couple. Oh, I love them. Yeah. You, this you, breaks my heart. You absolutely would. Like, I thought of you when I was researching this. Like, you would have loved this couple. So, um, yeah, she had a, a knife sticking out of her forehead, unfortunately. Um, to the left, uh, next to B, is Howard. And he has a bag over his head. Ugh. So... They found a hammer in the bedroom and a note written a few hours before. The police called for the detectives immediately, obviously. Right. Research the scene. 
to try to figure out exactly what happened. So the first thing the detective did when he got on the scene was go to the bedroom and try to find some clues like any Mm -hmm. detective would. Obviously, uh, he found the note and it said something along the lines of B is sick. She hasn't been herself. She's vomiting a lot. I'm going to give her some sleeping pills, then throttle her. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I'm sure. going to suffocate myself with a bag. Yeah, sure he did. The man that has no history of violence, they've been married for 50-something years. She's getting ready to retire. She's vomiting. I'm going to throttle her. Yeah, that so makes sense. In the UK, throttle is choke. Because one plus two is five, correct? Yes. So throttle means choke, but yep. she she had a knife in her head. Right. So that doesn't add up. Right. None of it adds up. Right. And whatever person wrote that note is a friggin' moron and obviously a lunatic. You're not going to get any happier about this whole thing. Just no, so you know. I'm not. Uh, do you know the story? About no, I do not. I've never heard this. Okay. And it's making me sick. Yeah. I feel to elderly like children, like I just think they're precious, like especially like sweet elderly people, like I said, that are in love. I like look to them like children. And I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. Well, they're special. I just find them special in my heart. Like, yeah. they wore my heart. Kids are special because they're so innocent. And then yeah. as old people, like, they've experienced they've so experienced. much. Like, he was a World War II veteran. Yeah, they're special people in our I lives. I do. I feel like they're special people. I would agree with that. Yeah. The nice ones, at least. Yeah, and then the crotchety ones. <laughs> no thanks. <but. laughs> no thanks. It's like, well, you, you were probably miserable even when you were younger. Yes, exactly. So, um, besides the hammer in the bedroom, Another hammer was found in the sink. Jeez. Uh, close to the bedroom. So we've got um, multiple hammers. We've got a knife. We've got a bag. Yep. Um, detectives also found some papers around the subject of euthanasia. So, okay. Like dying with dignity. So the woman had a case of the vomits and we're looking into euthanasia. Yeah. That makes no sense. So like the kind of like um, that they were really into offing themselves while they were still healthy. Not a chance. We're not talking about a terminal cancer here. We're talking about a stomach bug. Right. Quick sip of coffee. Could it be possible that if B had stage four cancer and they made like a death pact? Is that a possibility? But it certainly wouldn't be done with a knife out of the head. Correct. So the police, obviously, uh, based on what they found so far think this is a murder-suicide. Sure. That's insane. With the suicide note and how they found the bodies. Oh, boy. That that criminal got a... <laughs> he really was convincing, I guess. I picture them coming in and being like, huh, well, we got well, a note. We got this. Okay. The note says, so it must be true. Yeah, I'm, I'm wiping <laughs> my hands here. Let's, Boys, where do you want to have lunch? Yeah, let's go to the next uh, shop down the street. So, um, yeah, we still have the coroner to go through. Luckily. Okay. Can you imagine the neighbors, though, would be like, are you kidding me? Well, I don't think they would see the scene. Well, no, but hearing what happened, of course they wouldn't see it. But knowing that he would never do such a vicious thing to his wife. Yeah, I'm sure it was a huge surprise. Be like, no way. No, not not possible. Not possible. Right. So this is where the coroner's officer, Christine Hurst, comes into the story. Okay. Hopefully she sheds some light here. In the UK, a coroner's officer is more of an information gatherer for the coroner. So okay, so she's kind of a the, coroner officer, yep. so she's not the coroner. Correct. Okay. She gathers information, um, looks at everything, advises the coroner whether or not there should be additional investigations. Okay. So get, gathers all the papers, the pictures, any kind of reports from the scene. Doing um, an assessment. Yep, the coroner's job is to look at the body, uh, uh-huh. obviously all that stuff. Okay. So the coroner's officer is more about the other thing. They're like assistants, like a, a physician's assistant, what we would have in the U.S., kind of obviously not 
a coroner, but you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, so that the coroner doesn't have to keep going back to police. Makes their job easier. Yeah, instead of like, uh, the policeman's out and about, like, just talk to the coroner's Mm -hmm. officer. Mm -hmm. They have everything. And at this point, not a lot of uh, women were in this job. Um, So, you know, this is in the 90s. 96. Yep. I know that because that's the year we met. Oh, I should have remembered that too. Oh, I guess I'm not so important to you. Yeah, well, I think 2002 marriage. You know, well, because technically I didn't never thought I was like nailed. We down. had many years before our marriage. We did, we did. So, um, in Cheshire, the coroner's office is employed by the police, and when reviewing the case file, there were a number of red flags. Uh huh. Obviously, you had the suicide note, and you had the euthanasia papers, but. What Christine said, if you remove those two things. Right. It's clearly a murder. Right. Like a double homicide, not a murder-suicide. Yeah, it was clear to Christine this wasn't an open and shut case like they were trying to make it. Yes. First off, like I said, the suicide note. Howard wrote he was going to give B sleeping tablets and then choke her. Instead, B was bludgeoned at least a dozen times with a hammer. I mean, that's ridiculous so that what? it was ever even considered. And it's not once or twice. It's at least a dozen. At least a dozen times, and then you're left with a knife sticking out of your skull. Yep. And like I said, yeah, you said stab through the forehead with that's a lot of force. That's vicious, a big bone. That's, vicious. That's a huge bone in your forehead. We have, like we say the term, thick skull. Yep. I mean, it's not easy. She also had injuries all over her body as oh, well. Oh, how sad. Can you imagine an old lady? No, like, who does this? Sweet old lady. She was petite and everything. And just, ugh, it's like breaks your heart. Yeah, it does. Hmm. So secondly, Howard didn't kill himself the way he said he would in the letter. Um, Suffocating himself? Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know if I say it later or not. They found blood on the bag, like it splattered. Okay, so the bag was already there. <laughs> yeah, so while B was being being stabbed beaten and stabbed and, and beaten. whatever. Yeah, so wow, that's he, really weird that this detective work was like, ah, oh, murder suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if I say this later, but they ended up finding that his lips were also bruised. Okay, I, I will say it later, but okay. I'll, I'll just say it again. So they they found that his lips were bruised, maybe by somebody putting their hand over him, like to try to get him not to scream. Okay, so. Just a lot of things adding up here that are just like, I don't know if this is quite open and shut. Right. Of course it's not. I mean, I would think if our 10-year-old walked into a room, they could see clearly that this isn't what the note is showing it is. Yep. I mean, that's so obvious. It's like laughable. So as Christine reviewed pictures of the scene, she noticed Howard had no blood on his clothes, which is really odd for someone that supposedly took a hammer and a knife to his wife's head. Right. Um, Christine also said it seemed like his body was moved after he died because the way he was set, his, uh, left arm was kind of under his body. Okay. So kind of like somebody threw him onto the bed. Not a natural place that you would, you would just naturally fall. Yeah. Especially if he was suffocating himself with a bat. Yeah. You he wouldn't, wouldn't tuck, you wouldn't his hand tuck your his hand behind butt. you. Yes. And to her, like, it's like, this is pretty. It's very obvious though. Yes. Everything you're saying to me is just like glaring. No, just realize that the, everywhere that I read, they, they have a certain way that they're trying to push this to, that they think that there's no way that he did it, which I would kind of agree with. After right. Researching. But nothing about the scene makes sense. And the fact that he's saying he wants to strangle her to death, yet she ends up being severely beaten. How did that change? How did he say, oh, I'm going to strangle her to death. Oh, instead, I'm going to shove a knife through her face and beat her severely. You think he would have mentioned that in the note? Yeah, it just, it, it just doesn't make sense. Right. I'm sorry. I know I keep going back to it, but it's just like mind boggling. Hey, say what you're thinking. Everybody listening to this is thinking the same thing. So now Beatrice's bee's body was set in a way that wasn't what one would expect if a husband was trying to get 
let his lovely wife go gently into her final sleep. Mm-hmm. Especially you read about the euthanasia thing. That, you know, it's dying with dignity. Like sure, and there's it. nothing dignified about the way they were found. Right. And here's another thing. She was laying in bed with her nightgown pulled up so that she was exposed from the waist Ugh, down. Yeah, as if he would have done that. Like, oh yeah, when we're found, I'm going to have be exposed to the officers. Yeah. Never. Not a chance. There's nothing dignified about any of that. So, like I said, the thing about euthanasia believers, like they're very, very, very into the whole dignified thing. Dignified, respected, mm-hmm. all that. And like they would never, ever, ever, like even the stabbings and stuff. Never. It's a peaceful thing. And it's definitely something that happens in certain states here. Personally, my opinion is it should be able to happen anywhere you live. If you are diagnosed with a terminal illness, you know there's no coming back and it's going to be a slow, painful death. If multiple doctors agree that this is your prognosis, you should have the right to do so and go to a beautiful location on the beach and you take a pill that you slowly, peacefully fall asleep with your loved ones there and you're able to say your goodbyes, you know, in the way that you want to. This is nothing relating to that picture. Exactly. So it just made absolutely no sense for her to be presented this way. And for these two supposed euthanasia supporters. And here's the other thing. If you are the criminal, why would you do these things? I don't know. Sickness. Uh, and, and lift up her nightgown. Like, why would you have done that? If you're trying to convince the law of, or the <laughs> officers that this is what it's supposed to look like. Gotcha. I was initially thinking, why would you do something crazy? Because you're crazy. But if you're trying <laughs> you're to trying paint to the picture, cover it up. It, you'd want it to look like a scene that would relate to that. Yep. But everything is the opposite. Correct. So anyways, Christine brought all these things up to her bosses and the other police. But one of the problems is the police considered this pay- case pretty much closed. What? <laughs> because, uh, where am I? Right. Am I? Is this a joke? No. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, Because they never sent anything for fingerprints, including the bag on Howard's oh head. Oh, my God. They walk into a room. They find a woman with a knife sticking out of her head. Her nightgown is pulled up. She's beaten. There's blood all over. The husband's got blood spatter all over the bed with a bag on his head. His arm is unnaturally tucked beneath him, and they didn't test for fingerprints. No. That's appalling. So nothing was tested, not the hammers, not the knife. Um, the superintendent of police agreed with Christine because she's like, actually, you bring up a lot of good points here. Let's see if we can investigate this a little bit further. You know, he's kind of like, uh, yeah, this looks like it could be potentially something more. And he asked investigators to do more work on the forensic side. Yeah. So but at like, this point, is the evidence destroyed? You have a pretty good uh, mind right there, young lady. A few weeks later, the test results came back, and they were inconclusive. Guess, well, because there's probably why. fingerprints all over. Yep. The bag was mishandled by everyone that came into contact with it. Same with the weapons. Just a completely botched I'm, job. I am just, I'm speechless. Although I'm not speechless because I'm still talking. But <laughs> You have a weird way of being speechless. I do have a weird way of being speechless. But I would think that this has got to be like an episode of Punked. Like, this can't possibly be. Like, where am I? Where am I? Right. So, um, another thing, after the coroner did their work, they found some additional injuries on Howard as well. Like I said, um, it wasn't with the suicide note. He had the lip injuries that I mentioned. Okay. Um, and like Christine, you know, she'd seen a lot of things. She said this is like somebody keeping their hand over their, their lips to prevent them from making noise. Mm-hmm. Um, the coroner's name was John Hibbett, a longtime senior coroner. He had a nickname, the Caring Coroner. That's nice. Um, the reason he was given the nickname is because he didn't like to take long with his autopsies or inquests, as they call them in the UK. 
Um, his reasoning was he didn't want to put the grieving families through more than they've already been through. So he wanted to make it you know, really quick, open and shut case. Not to say that he didn't do a really good job. Thorough. Yeah. But he was known for taking care of things pretty quickly. And these inquests or autopsies would, would run pretty quickly. Um, in this case, his opinion, based on the evidence steered by the police, was uh, concluded that the Howard killed his wife, B, and then killed himself. Oh, my gosh. Case closed. Case closed. Now, what was the determined as the cause of death for Howard? Was it suffocation? Um, I imagine that's what he wrote. Right. Yeah. You would imagine if there was no other obvious sign of, you know, a stab wound, a fatal stab wound or something like that. Yep. This, this shocks me. So there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of sources for this. There's really only like one decent source. And then there's a couple other ones, but, um, it, that's why there's probably not as much information, but uh, it, is this a town that like, is this the first murder in this town that it's just like, huh, let's see. Uh, yeah, everything looks good here. I guess natural causes. All right. Bye bye now. Well, it's not like, a huge town and it's not like, you know, it's very affluent, at least this area. So there maybe there's not enough, uh, not a lot of crime so that they're not used to investigating murder cases. Yeah. Not a lot of experience. It, you would think yep. that there, there couldn't be so when bringing up the possibility of these pace cases being incorrectly handled, Christy was told, Christine was told, leave it alone, Miss Marple. It's all in hand. Oh, that's got to be frustrating. And you're like, absolutely not. These people were savagely murdered in their beds. Do you know who Miss Marple is? Um, I think so. She's a fictional character in Agatha Christie's crime novels and short stories. Okay. She was an amateur consulting detective. Definitely some size of mis- signs of misogyny going on here. So she was being talked down to. Correct. Like, mm-hmm. leave it alone, Miss Marple. It's all in hand. Don't oh, worry. I, I would lose my mind. And I did I mention her. that, the, you know, this is a very male-dominated area, especially yeah. at this time. So they're like, oh, look at you trying to be a little detective. Yep. And inside, she's like, are, are you crazy? <laughs> like, am, I just, am I crazy? Same thing. Where am I? Yeah. Like, uh, I guess at that time, coroner's officers were usually like older cops that were like ready to retire. Uh-huh. They would put them there, kind of a desk job. Yeah. You know, and she wasn't that type of thing. You know, she was a woman, so they probably looked down on her and just didn't give her the time of day. Um, and unfortunately, you know, maybe some of the other citizens in the area uh, paid for it. That would drive me insane if I knew for sure that something was wrong here. And then they're like, nope, case closed. It was just us. Yep. So regarding that story... Um, it's pretty much over by that point. Three years go by. Let me ask you this. Did they have family? Yes. Howard and B, yep. like a daughter or son or somebody yes. that could advocate for them? Yes. Like push this? Yeah, I don't... Like there's not a chance in hell my father would put a knife to my mother's skull and hit the, the knife into her head and then suffocate himself. I don't know if they're being muffled by the police or not. Like uh, the police t- keep in touch with them quite a bit. From what they say. Because I would raise hell there's, if I was told that this is how my parents died. From what I found, there's no interviews of the son. I, I heard that there's a son. Okay. Um, don't quote me on that directly. Uh-huh. But yeah, I couldn't find any interviews because I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. And like, obviously, there's something going on. And especially right now when all this information's coming out, um, you got to think that something's going something's on. Something's going on that we have this information available to us. Yep. Anyways, three years go by. Now it's 1999. By now, Christine has been promoted to the senior coroner's officer. Okay, maybe she could do something. Yep, she was in the mortuary one day reviewing some bodies for identification and came across a body that looked to be a violent death. Okay, and it probably stirred back up the old memories of this case. Well, not at this point just yet, but just shortly yet, yeah. here. She said, um, you know, I know I'm going to have to deal with this one soon. So she asked her coworker who was dealing with these others, like, can you tell me a little bit about this case? Um, just so she can get, you know, a jump start on it. 
and uh, the coworker tells her it was a murder suicide. Oh wow, that rings a bell. She asked where. His response in Wilmslow. Is this the same area? Same town, exact same town. She's like, "Whoa, you're kidding! This is a senior citizen here. This is somebody a murder suicide." Yeah, like, what are the murder- odds of that? Who who does a murder suicide when they're and they're like close to eighty years old? Right, not many. Not many. I mean, not many regular people. No, exactly. It's <laughs> like mean, you know, any age. Yeah, this is something that's just like an outlier that's happening. Again, three years later. So obviously she remembers the Ainsworth case because of how terrible it was right. and the, the botched job of handling it and realizes these two cases are almost identical. Okay. Uh, she took out the Ainsworth file and sure enough, it was almost a carbon copy. Wow. She like researched all the different things. That's insane. It was an elderly couple named Donald and Oriel Ward. Um, they were, the way they were left in the room in the bed was the exact same thing. Um, Oriel the female was left the same way with her nightgown up over Unbelievable. her over her waist. Uh, similar injuries. This time, the police believe they may have been a killer on the loose. This time, so this time it wasn't just like, "Yep, murder suicide done." Right. There was actually a consideration that because of Donald's injury, injuries. Okay. He had a lot of cuts on his arms and his hands from like protecting himself uh, from a knife attack. Wounds. Yes, defensive wounds. So that got them thinking a little bit, like, "Oh, maybe this is a there was actually a killer out here." Did he also have a bag over his head? Um, you know what? I think so. That's crazy. Like this killer is a complete moron. I had looked at it. I don't. I can't say for sure. Don't. Don't. I'm not going to say for sure. But um, I mean, you're you're leaving a carbon copy of what you've just done three years before, and th- that's just like madness to me. Yeah. Everything about the story you're telling me is madness. Yeah. So this this Donald and Oriel Ward's case was a big one because people thought that there was a killer on the loose. Of course. You know this gets out. But the lead slowly dried up. Okay. Now, how was the evidence handled in this case? Um, it sounds like better. There wasn't as much details on this case as there was on the previous one. Because it sounds like this person's a flipping idiot, and you would think they would leave evidence all over the place. Yeah. Well, not really, because the, the lower floor didn't look like anybody busted in or anything. So, obviously, these people were probably sleeping whenever ha- what happened happened. Because yeah. they're both in bed. Both women are in their nightgowns. So, the... Um, bottom floor wouldn't be disturbed because they're sleeping upstairs. Right. So that's not to say anything, but I'm surprised that the scene of the crime in the bedroom isn't riddled with evidence. Right. Because whoever's doing this is a moron. Uh, yeah, and a psychopath. And a psychopath, um, most importantly. So anyway, the leads dried up and there's no evidence of someone else in the house. So they're looking around, they're trying to, trying to you know, read the tea leaves here. And there's so many cases where the husband goes after off the deep end and kills his wife. You know, there's a lot of times it happens where a person that has no history of mental health issues and they're edging on 80 years old suddenly goes off the deep end and viciously kills their wife in bed next to them and then kills himself and then lifts their nightgown up before they die. If you put it that way, probably not. Yeah, I would say not. But they were kind of leaning on more like, you know, yeah, it's just it happens all the time. I mean, and all these men, they go off the deep end and they just they do this. Right. Never entered my head. But <laughs> Mike, please. Yeah. Um, I know I can be annoying and never stop talking. Especially when you say you're speechless. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I yeah. love you. I love you too. Babe. I love, I love you, you, so you too. Much. Yeah. I don't want to go through the work of you know, <laughs> knives and everything. Knives. It's a lot of work. It is. And clean up and all that. So 
Um, yeah, no evidence and a lot of cases, like I said. And so the police kept going back to the theory that Donald may have killed his wife. Unbelievable. Because they couldn't find any other reason. It was kind of like the default, basically. Uh, like, okay. uh, we can't figure out why, so we're so just going to say Donald. Donald did it. Right. It was it, Donald. Exactly. Now, by this time, there was a different coroner for Cheshire. Um, this one's name was Nicholas Reinberg. He concluded that this was a murder-suicide. What the hell? <laughs> yep. And Donald killed his wife and then himself. Is there money being exchanged here? I don't uh, Well, some people on Reddit and things, you know, there, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories. But they say, was there like police involved possibly? So, you like, know. you want to take your family on a nice vacation? Say it was a murder-suicide. Right. We'll send you away to Italy for the summer. Now, there's just to be clear, there's absolutely no evidence that that I'm happened. I'm not saying that that happened, but something is weird here. It's It's fishy. It's fishy. It smells like dead fish. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, so like I said, a new coroner here, and he ruled that it was a murder-suicide, kind of seemed like the easy way to go. Just kind of eh, lazy and like, okay, we're done here. Well, it is the easy way to go. Yeah. Because you don't have to find a killer on the loose. Meanwhile, the next elderly couple is are sitting ducks. Yep. So Christine's still here, and she's like, I got to do something about this. Um, she's like, this is the work of a complete psychopath. Yes. Thank you, Christine. Like the, the work of somebody that went way further than they needed to. And something that experts call overkill. Overkill. Absolutely 1,000% yeah. overkill. First time I've heard of that in this situation. Which I'm makes... hearing a lot about this in my Netflix documentaries I'm watching. Yeah, because Oriole was stabbed in the neck more than a dozen times. So and they're saying Oriole, uh, okay, Oriole's the female, and I'm sorry, the uh, husband was Don? Yes. How? What was his cause of death? Uh, they don't say. Okay. So she was stabbed in the neck and also beaten and strangled. It seemed like whoever killed her and B absolutely hated them. Like, it yes. just seems like terrible hatred of because of the repeated stabbings and beatings that they've seen. Absolutely. Uh, way more than necessary. So, you know, it was kind of to Christine, like, this is the work of a psycho, not somebody who loved their wife. Never. Or even somebody that disliked their wife. Like, you wouldn't completely go no. at their head and neck a, a dozen times. No, you would not. You unless know, you were just out of your mind. Off the deep end. And there would probably be some warning signs before that. Right. You know? It wouldn't be the sweet couple next door that was just tending to their yard that morning. Right. So Christine's obviously thinking these murders are linked somehow. Um, not a huge stretch and by any means. So frustratingly, not a whole lot happened after this. Uh, same situation. The files were both for both the Ainsworth and Ward investigations stayed in the coroner's office. Both cases considered closed. I can't. I cannot believe this. Like you just want to shake somebody. I want to shake everybody. <laughs> right. Anybody there? Like, come on, open these. Even if it was my neighbor that I knew well, I'd be like, "This is not right. This right. did not happen. They did not kill them in such a vicious way. There's no way that this happened." Like, where nobody is advocating for these people. Like, I'm so confused. Yeah, I. <laughs> you would think like, no? Be that's more. just a murder suicide. Well, and uh, maybe it's because they're older too you know maybe people are like but that's well, like a bigger reason why yeah. it wouldn't happen right if you've made it 50 years and you've been you're 80 years old what would suddenly make you go off the deep end i don't know that an 80 year old can stab somebody 12 times right you know like it's a lot i of mean effort. i guess there's certain elderly people that if like you mentioned howard was out doing his lawn right so he might be very spry and active and agile i don't know but somebody you've been with forever no like you know one time and then you would realize oh my god what I do like not even that yeah it'd be okay to do it once but 12 but, or whatever yeah yeah just in inconceivable it's that a good word inconceivable they wouldn't look at these further mm -hmm. so now 
they sat there, these cases sat there untouched for 17 years. 17 years. Correct. So 17 plus three, because that's, the first one went three. No, so 17, 17 later. Late, okay, total. Yeah, don't do too much math. We know we're bad at that. I know. I just leave we it don't want to make ourselves let's look just more say stupid than we already 17, sound. let's leave it at that, okay? Okay. Agreed? Agreed. Sounds good. I'm baffled by this. So it became something that the coroners would bring up to each other every once in a while like almost like an urban legend they'd be like hey remember the ainsworth case remember the ward case except it wasn't an urban legend it actually happened right so in just in this police office like they bring it up every once in a while it's kind of something like a water cooler talk um so in the meantime though during these 17 years there were no other murders similar um we'll get into that okay because this is what's pissing me off on top of these people being savagely murdered this person is clearly out of their mind and out on the loose. So there's so many things wrong with this picture, but fearfully enough that there's a lunatic out on the loose that's clearly pegging elderly couples. Yep. So around this time in 2016, a new coroner's officer was hired. Her name was Stephanie Davies, and she's considered more of a modern coroner's officer. Reason being that she's got a ton of expertise when it comes to different things like um, forensics, crime scene investigation. Okay. You know, things are way different in 2016 than they mm-hmm. were in the 90s. They just know a lot more. And like when a knife is sticking out of a person's head, it might not be a murder, suicide, that kind of thing. <laughs> Probably even more than that, okay. I would guess. But yes, those, that would exactly be one of those things that she would look at more. Um, so yeah, a higher level than Christine you know, when she was hired, but Christine got to work with her, so mm-hmm. she was excited. Okay. Uh, so one day, Christine and Stephanie are talking. Christine ends up showing Stephanie the files from the Ainsworth Ugh, and the Wards. I can only imagine what this girl is going to say. I picture them at like a lunch table. What the fuck? <laughs> right. That's what I would say. Right. And be like, "Are you serious? Are you, you're this? You're joking?" So Christine's like, "These have never sat right with me." I want you to take a look at him. Let me know what you think. Oh, I'm sure she was so happy to finally be able to like somebody that's like seeing the light. Sensical. Sensical. And not just closed minded and whatever. Like somebody that can actually bring a third party view that's not knowing about this case. Yeah. And can go at it. So the first case she looked at was the Ainsworth case. She said it doesn't look right with Howard's how Howard's body was moved after he was already dead. Uh, a nice bonus is that Stephanie was also a blood spatter analysis expert. Oh, that's handy. Because mm-hmm. um, the, ba- the spatter was on the bag that was over his head. Yep. And all over the bed and mm-hmm. just everywhere. Um, obviously, they know where somebody's been stabbed or how they've been hit. You know, right. Based the trajectory on the of where it might go. Yep. Whereas in the 90s, that wasn't a thing. Hmm. So... Um, but physics existed in the 90s. They did, but I don't know if that, like, maybe it was a thing, but just at very high end, you know, like yeah. in London and New York City, you know, I'm sure yeah. they had them, but not like a 20,000 person town. So uh, she was looking into these, and this kind of surprised me. 12 months later, hmm. it's like, huh, I guess she did a pretty thorough analysis. She was thorough. Yeah, and she was new, and maybe she didn't want to make, you know, any make waves. Make the yet. waves. Right. Like, come in, guns a blazing. Yep. Um, so anyway, 12 months later, Christine retired. Um, she's just had enough and she's, she's, she's out of there. So Stephanie Davies was promoted to the senior coroner's officer at Cheshire. You know, I was hoping Christine was going to get the satisfaction of being there when something happened. Yeah. Well, she's still around. She's not gone. You know, she definitely, I'm sure that tortured her. Yeah. And at the same time, she was muffled. She was told to be quiet. Yeah. And she was tough. And yeah, she wanted to keep her job and it's, it's a tough situation. So as the senior coroner's officer, 
she decided to officially do a review of the Ward and Ainsworth cases. So she was, you know, looking at them, but this is an official, official review. Now, I wonder what the police had to say about that. Um, Opening a can of worms. Right. Something that they had left a long time ago. And mm-hmm. this also makes them look bad. Of course it does. In a lot of situations, you'll see police trying to cover their tracks. and They don't want to be told they were wrong. And correct. like nobody wants to be told they were wrong, but sometimes no. you just have to. Yep. So she was going to read absolutely everything from front to back. Every single piece of evidence, look at every single picture, read every single report, and look at it all. So Christine, you know, as she was looking into this. Stephanie? uh, Oh, yeah, Stephanie. I'm sorry. Great, great catch. Um, Stephanie was so convinced with the evidence pointed to a murder that she started trying to figure out who may have done it. Uh Uh-huh. Or at least to try to get an idea. Right. Like, she's like, there's a killer on the loose. I would imagine it was somebody younger Yep. Because, you know, like we said, the viciousness of it. Yeah, and probably some sexual deviancy, obviously. Lifting up the, the nightgown. Now, did they ever... They, um, the answer here is no. They never even checked to see if there was actually sexual assault, did they? Correct. Yeah, did didn't not. think so. No. Nope. wouldn't have made sense. So, she starts looking in the other cases, like you said, of murder-suicides in the country to try to find a pattern, just like they would now for any kind of serial killers to try to catch them before they strike again. Um, so unfortunately she found 39 murder suicides of elderly couples What between 2000 and 2019. Now all in what area? Um, in the country, in the country. Okay. Yep, so that's not all of them. So that's, this isn't, they're not all related to this, but just shows kind of how rare it is that yeah. there's 40 in about 20 years. Okay. So about two a year. And all of a sudden... Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, very rare for a murder suicide of, el- of an elderly couple. I would assume so. Um, out of the 39 she found, uh, about three cases involved blunt force trauma and sharp force trauma that matched the Ainsworth and Ward cases. Okay. Two out of the three happened a few miles away, and the third happened in Kendall in Cambria. All of them are in Northwest England. Okay. How far away was this third one? I'm going to show you a little picture here. So. I know people listening can't, but it's like... Yeah, but you'll post it on Instagram. Yeah. Three of them were pretty close. The other one, uh, maybe I'd say an hour away, something like that. So definitely... Definitely within driving. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to say their names here, just so, you know, as they're remembered. Uh, Stanley and Peggy Wilson, Eileen and Kenneth Martin, and Michael and Violet Higgins, in addition to Donald and Oriel and Howard and Beatrice. So, um, and the years were 1996, 99... 2000 2008 and 2011 wow so so very similar in nature yep and i mean i can i want me to read a little i mean i'm curious so the one i'll go in uh, chronological order in 2000 michael and violet higgins the wife was beaten with a rolling pin stabbed with scissors before her husband with parkinson's was found dead 2008 eileen and kenneth martin the wife had severe head injuries cuts to wrist and neck Husband cut his throat, slashed wrists, and hung himself. Man. This is so this one and the next one are weird. Wow. So cut his wrist and hung himself. I mean, that's like double yeah. whammies. Right. And then twenty eleven, Stanley and Peggy Wilson, wife again hit on the head and face, strangled, stabbed in the neck. Jeez. Husband hanged himself after stabbing himself in the neck. Oh my gosh. That's like, just crazy. There's like this there's no chance. That this happened. <laughs> right. That this is, uh, it just seems so odd. It does. Everything about this seems so odd to me. Yeah. So Stephanie writes a report of her findings in the Ainsworth and Ward cases and included the three extra cases she found as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are based on limited information. Basically, she's saying 
These two cases, you know, the Ward and Ainsworth, I have major concerns over them. And based on my findings, we should also look into these other three. Okay. So kind of like a, by the way. Yes. Okay. So while Stephanie was writing her report, she gave a draft to an officer that did nothing with it. She was <laughs> kind of like, hey, um, can you look at this? At least like we can get things started. And they're like, yeah, I don't think so. Why? <laughs> kind of put it away. It's, you know, the cops, they pride, I guess. They just don't want to. Well, but so many years has passed. You know, it's like been. Well, not to mention people could be on the loose, too. Right. That's the biggest concern, too, is that there is a psychopath on the loose. Yep. And, you know, Stephanie's starting to get a little frustrated that nobody's going to take her seriously on these two close cases. Then somehow uh, the Sunday Times, which I guess is a big news and paper in um, the U.K., Got a copy of the report. Okay. Well, I, I think that's what we needed, a little push, yeah. a big push. We don't know who provided it. Okay. <laughs> we don't know if it was Stephanie or not, but I mean... Maybe. Nobody, nobody Rightly knows. so. Right. I mean, come on. Something needs to be done here. Right. So there's absolutely no, no proof of anybody sending it over. Okay. We don't know. But somehow the Sunday Times got a copy of the report, and the Sunday Times published it. Okay, It was good. like a shitload of pages. I think I, 97 pages. The people need to know what's happening. Yes. I think it was 97. Don't quote me, but it was pretty close. 97 pages? Yes. In the, wait, where are in they? In the report. In the report. Wow. Stephanie started to get, uh, oh yeah, frustrated. So shortly after it was published, the police agreed to review the cases and Stephanie's report. Oh, how about it? <laughs> how about that, huh? I gave them a little push. Yeah. They also announced that they'd be investigating how this report got into the hands of the Sunday Times. Uh-huh. That's probably their their, their biggest, biggest concern. concern. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really important. Yep. Um, Cheshire Police said an internal investigation was still ongoing, and they wouldn't comment further on how it got outside of their walls. So they probably found who did it, but they wouldn't comment uh-huh. further. Um, also, Stephanie was put on leave. Uh, For doing her job. Correct. For raising a flag when it needed to be raised. Yep. But anyways, while putting the report together, Stephanie contacted a number of outside crime experts just to kind of get some expertise and some feedback and be like, I'm not crazy, right? No. Like, I mean, it kills you. Like you said, you're sitting there thinking, am I crazy? Am I being everybody punked? else is looking like they're this. Yep. That's a done deal. This is what it is. Right. And you're like, I, I must be the only crazy person in this room. Yep. So she reached out to a bunch of other people. One of them was named uh, Steve Chancellor in America. He's a forensic and crime investigator and has advised plenty of agencies, including the FBI, a veteran as well. Uh, He's been in investigations for almost 50 years, and his specialties are death investigations and sex crimes. Okay. So complete expert. Yeah. Um, In addition to several emails, he also met with Stephanie in person in Salt Lake City. Because he said, hey, you know what? I'm doing a training thing, and you're welcome to come out, and I'd love to talk to you about it a little bit. And to his surprise, she showed up. I would have, too. It's like you'd be busting at the seams. Well, yeah. She did so much time. She spent so much time investigating it. She's at her wit's end here. Yeah, I would be, too. And you want to advocate for these people. Yeah. So after reviewing the cases, he said the chances of these two not being related somehow is very, very, very close to zero. Yeah. His reasons. One. Both elderly couples. Mm-hmm. Two, both dressed for bed. Three, the event took place in the marital bed. Mm-hmm. Um, four, no blood on Mr. Ainsworth after the blunt force trauma, which to him is just like, okay, I mean, this is definitely more to this story right. once you see that. Um, five, no history of violence with either couple. That's what I was saying. The, the man that's <laughs> watering his flowers isn't going to go typically and brutalize his wife of 50 years. Yep. 
Six, neither couple reached out to their children to say goodbye. Right. I thought that was really an interesting thing. Especially people that are more about dignity and stuff. They might be like, "My, your mother and I have made a decision. We love you. Like the night before. So at least call and say, hey, we yeah. really, really love you. Like, Dad, what, what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. We just, just love you so much. Just to tell you we love you. Yes. There would be some kind of thing like that. And but. why would you be tending to your yard the day before you decide you're going to kill yourself? Yeah, I'd be taking it easy. I mean, you know, like right. who cares if the yard looks long? <laughs> right. Right. Good point. Um. The ladies' nightgowns were both pulled up in the same position. Right. That that in itself is just... Like, we have a lot of that in itself here. That in itself. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Uh, both females had blunt force trauma and also sharp force injuries. Right? That's so crazy. We had the knife through the forehead of Mrs. And Ainsworth. And the hitting of the head. Yep. And the hitting of the head. And then the stab wounds and throat from Mrs. Ward. But then again, the guys in a couple of the cases were also like overkill, too, with the slashing plus hanging. Yep. So Steve Chancellor could absolutely not believe the police determined both of these to be murder suicides. Okay, good. We're not crazy. No. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Because there's not a lot of information out there. If this was a movie, I would say this was the stupidest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) This would never happen. Right, right. Um, Just one of the many people that christine or uh, stephanie got into touch with that disagreed they're like this is crazy it should not be closed one would think anyone with a pulse would disagree and as of now the cases are still being looked into are you kidding me i mean i guess that was what 2016 i'm sorry not to have a satisfying i mean this this makes me very upset for so many reasons because of what happened to these couples and then the husband's name is painted so like viciously that he would have killed his wife in such a horrible matter that in itself is horrific that the per these people died in such a horrible way and the husband's being pinned it on or has a pinned on him and then to top it all off there's a crazy person on the loose that's targeting elderly couples yep we should be very scared especially if you live over in cheshire yep and get this there is a suspect the police are aware of it's been confirmed there's a suspect but nobody knows if they're looking into the suspect at all why isn't something being done about this <laughs> it just seems like like some world order should be like listen you got to go arrest or at least talk to this suspect i'm sure they are i hope i actually i'm not sure they are uh, how would you be sure they I'm took not. multiple hammers at what looked like a clear homicide case and f- like put their fingers all over it and didn't preserve any evidence yep i wouldn't be sure of anything because this is the most incredible thing i've ever heard i i can't even believe that this is actual actually real like real life you know you would think this is i just i can't wrap my heads around though that they like none of these family members are are not losing their minds because again it'd be like us getting a call that your dad did this to your mom and we'd be like there's no way right there's no way that that happened yep and clearly, there's somebody that came into their home and killed them. Right. And then the town over, the same thing happens. How are their family members? Like, my dad would never do this to my mom and then kill himself. Right. I'm just shocked. So the reason this all came up and the way I found it, um, the writer of the story that in the, uh, the Sunday Times, whatever it's called, um, his name is David Collins. Mm-hmm. And he's coming out with a book about this case. Which will have more details. Okay, because I feel like a petition needs to be signed or something to get something to be done. Well, this David Collins is responsible for helping to find another murderer. 
in a very similar fashion. Okay. So that's why this kind of the report got into his hands because he's a great reporter, very detailed and very you know unique and definitely somebody who wants to find these killers. Yeah. His book is called The Hunt for the Silver Killer. Oh, it's, oh, the silver meaning elderly. Yes. Now, let me ask you this. Does um, he suspect that there's more than one murderer involved in these cases since there's a couple? You know, anytime you're like, if you're going to kill a couple, I would think there'd need to be more than one person. Yeah, but because elderly. while you're attacking the one person, the other spouse would come and try to like hit you or whatever. Yeah, um, he didn't go into it because he wants to leave it for his book. Okay, I'd be curious to know what his thoughts are on that. If well, he thinks it's a single person or if they're working as a, a pair or more. Yeah, if this was interesting to you, go check out his book. It just That's came out. actually very interesting to me, but I think it's just this case frustrates me so much. You should read his book. And I then should. come back and tell us. Yeah, I would like to do that. And I would, it's just that I don't read books. So. I read constantly. Yeah, I read like internet stuff. I, I don't, don't read it like ton of volume because i just read before bed but i love 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 reading so i'm gonna look at that book you should um but well, yeah. that was very interesting yeah and it's frustrating because it's just nobody's listening to the people that have facts but what gets me the most is that it just seems so black and white obvious that it it's appalling yeah <laughs> but nobody else seems to think so like you said i said that you would think this was a joke right so yeah. It's not. It's real life, and these really, poor really people. interesting, really interesting stuff. And hopefully, well, they find them. I, I, I have a feeling they're going to find and get somebody. This I hope year. so. But then, is there going to be repercussions to the law office that did nothing? Uh, if I had to guess, based on past performances, I would say any police officers that were a part of it will probably be absent and on paid leave for a few months. On paid leave. Probably, because that's what they usually do. But, I mean, somebody who's trying to get to the bottom of this gets let go. Stephanie is just like... She's kind of in... I think she's getting paid. I'm not sure, but she's in limbo. She's on kind of leave. Very frustrating. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry if I was repetitive about the, oh my gosh, like this is just mind-boggling to me. No, I I felt the same thing Yeah, this is just madness. I remember when I was looking at you, like, oh, this is interesting. Yes, you were last night while you were doing stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I'll look into that book. And then, obviously, if there's any updates or if they do find somebody that they can pin to these, we'll have to loop back around and touch yeah, base on that. Absolutely. All so, right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. And especially these lovely, beautiful people I'm about to mention here. They're pretty amazing. They're all amazing. Like, every single one. It's amazing. Because they're our patrons. And if you would, are appreciating what you're listening to, then go follow the link in the show notes and, um, you yeah, know, become one of our patrons. Be one of these people. And we're going to mention you. Um, Colleen, Lily, Karen, Nadine, Allie, great name. That's a great name. Susan, Michael, great name. <laughs> they're uh, all great names. Yes, they're all great names. Uh, Kayla F, as in Frank, and Kayla S, as in Sierra. And uh, a lot of Kaylas, a lot of Kaylas out there. So, hey, if you if you know a Kayla, tell her about the Crime and Coffee couple. Or apparently... if you know a Katie or a Michael or a Sheila or anybody, <laughs> anybody with any name, you can tell them about our podcast. Absolutely. We appreciate every one of you. And uh, yeah, please spread the word. We'd love to uh, keep on growing this thing like we are. And we appreciate you. And if you are a Patreon member, you'll have your bonus episode. And we're actually wrapping this up and getting right into that one. So we sure are. that'll be available for you guys this coming Wednesday. Yep. Anybody on tier two or three gets one every other week and anybody on tier one gets one a month you guys are awesome and thank you so much for being here thank you bye